0: Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Okay, today's sermon text is from Psalm 96. The passage will be on the screen for you, or if you like, please turn to Psalms in your Bible. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in holy splendor. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord is king. The world is firmly established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice, let the sea roar and all that fills it, let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he is coming, for he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with his truth.
1: That's the uh, word of the Lord for us today. Thank you, Sam. Well, happy Christmas, and I'm glad that you're with us this morning. Um, What we've been doing last uh, all through Advent is looking at a couple different psalms and and kind of imagining our place in them. And uh, this whole time, we've talked about the psalms of ascent. Well, this is not necessarily a psalm of ascent, but I want us to to start anyway with kind of imagining the situation that's behind this psalm. And uh, thankfully, we we know the situation, like we know what was happening, and. In fact, uh, King David, one of Israel's greatest kings, uh, sang this psalm in, what was it, like, 1 Chronicles 16, 23 through 33. So if you want to go read Chronicles, which is, you know, if if you're tired, read read Chronicles. Anyway, well, um, uh, so it describes the situation. Um, Israel had finally becoming the nation, and... uh, The capital city of Israel had been kind of at Hebron, this this city. Uh, But David really wanted it to be in Jerusalem because that's kind of where it was supposed to be. And so one of the most important things in in all of Israel was the Ark of the Covenant. It was a a box, essentially, that Israel had constructed at God's commandment uh, after coming up out of Egypt. And in it were like a copy of the Ten Commandments and some very things. But it was, it was a visual, physical representation of the presence of God among his people. And so the, the ark had been, been in, uh, this was before the temple was built, obviously, had been residing in the uh, tent of meeting. And David was like, the capital is Jerusalem. We need to bring the ark from there into Jerusalem. And so there's this giant pr- progression and, uh, with singing and dancing And the ark moves from Hebron all the way to to Jerusalem. And so this is, uh, I want you to imagine that you are at the greatest parade you have ever been at. Uh, Now, we we know what parades are because we have parades for everything in Fulton. Uh, Still probably the greatest greatest parade, I don't know what it was, uh, where they had like the mini combine that was shooting out uh, starbursts. That was the, so take that and magnify it, right? Uh, starburst getting flung out of farming equipment and, and the joy that that brings. Uh, well, there's this there's just tremendous amount of joy. And, and for David, it, it is because, and I think this is the point, this point of this morning particularly, is because God as king was coming to reside in Jerusalem. Uh, now, a little bit of history here. Israel was never supposed to have a king in the first place. Uh, God was always supposed to be their king. They were just supposed to be kind of a collection of, of tribes uh, that had God as their king that would tell them how to live and act in the world, and, and it, it didn't happen. Uh, in, in fact, in 1 Samuel 8, the leaders of Israel come to Samuel, a prophet, and they say, we want, you, we want a king so we can be like everybody else. We, we want to we be like all of the countries around us, And Samuel was like, no, no, that's not what you want because that's not what God wants for you. And they were like, yeah, yeah, but that's really what I want. And God says, okay. And so they get Saul and they get David. Uh, But David, even even though he's got some flaws and Saul had some flaws and almost all of the kings that come after David had a whole bunch of flaws as well, David understood, at this point at least, that though he was king in Israel, that his power and his authority was only because God was king in the world. And so this tremendous moment of joy where, where God comes into Jerusalem in a really physical and tangible way to make his home among his people. So that's the, the context. So I want you to kind of imagine as we, we talk about this, uh, maybe what it would have been like to witness this happen. To see the king of your country dance around and sing with, with tremendous joy. My guess is, the people who were there, that they would have been caught up kind of uh, in, the, uh, in the fun of the time as well. Well, I have taken this psalm and... Uh, oh, it's, that's not right. Okay. So it's not going to be on the screen for you. Uh, but I'll just read it for you. I don't, we, we had some syncing issues with our or technology, it's just like everything else around here, that has decided to to burst or break or uh, explode. Uh, so, well, I, t- I took this psalm, and um, I think in its original translation that we read here, it's it's not super intelligible anyway. Um, I have no idea what the word uh, well before this anyway, what the word "scribe" means. Like that's not just a word we use in everyday life. Um, so I've kind of taken it and I've translated it. Uh, hopefully into a way that makes a little bit more sense to you. And uh, so the psalm opens up like this. Hey, all of you, sing a brand new song to the Lord. Hey, everyone on earth, sing a new song to the Lord. Hey, all of you, sing to the Lord. All of you, speak wonderful things about his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Hey, all of you, in the presence of the nations, recount his abundant glory and his supernatural works. So as God's coming into Israel, David begins to sing, and uh, he, he begins to say all these things about, about who God is. Um, they're singing this new song, and they're the, to talk about and, and proclaim to everybody all of the wonderful things that God has done. Now, we've recounted Israel's history to this point, really, uh, throughout Advent, uh, so I won't do that again for us, because, well, you can read it too, um, But they're commanded to to give this praise and worship to God, not just for their own sake, but for the sake of the nations around them. Uh, That Israel's worship is never just for them, and it's never just for God. It's always, always also a testimony to the people around them of God's greatness, of God's power. Proclaim his salvation day after day. And it's not just something that we do specifically on Sunday. It's something that we are to, well, it's kind of like how we're supposed to live proclaiming uh, the wonderful works of God and the salvation that God has brought um, in this world. Hey, all of you, in the presence of the nations, recount his abundant glory and his supernatural works. Well, if verse 1 through 3, and that was verse 1 through 3, a uh, command to praise, the, the next set of verses um, really tell us why. All of you sing because the great is the Lord. He is worthy to be praised with great strength. He is to be revered among above all gods, for all the other people's gods are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Uh, power and majesty emanate from his presence. Strength and beauty fill his, dw- his dwelling. So again, here, we, we kind of ended Advent uh, last week with this confession that God is the maker and creator of heaven and earth. And here we have that same confession today. That in contrast to all of the gods that are around, Okay, so Israel would have been surrounded by uh, neighbors who would have worshipped their own gods. And they would have, you know, idols made out of metal or wood. And those gods would have had like specific tasks or things that they were over. So you might have prayed to one god to make it rain um, or or any kind of other things that might be uh, specific to your context. And, and they were kind of territorial. So you, you, you had a god that... Well, maybe that God was effective and strong within your country, but maybe not so much elsewhere. And so when two countries would go to war, uh, oftentimes it would kind of be uh, to see whose God was more powerful than the others. And so David confesses as the king of Israel, as the king of all of creation comes in to take his rightful place among his people. Confesses that all other people's gods are worthless idols but the Lord made the heavens. Uh, Again, the God that we worship is the one who spoke the world into existence from nothing. And if God can create the world, if God knows how it's all put together, God can fix the world in its brokenness. Uh, Well, that's what we've been been confessing. Anyway, power and majesty emanate from his presence. Strength and beauty fill his dwelling. Uh, Perhaps, uh, this is a little foreshadowing to to the temple and, uh, and the glory of the Lord that will reside there. Well, uh, v- verses 7 through 9 then, uh, uh, continue on. Hey, give to the Lord all you families of the world. Give to the Lord his glory and his strength. Hey, all of you give to the Lord the reputation due his name. All of you bring an offering into his courts. Hey, all of you bow down and worship the Lord in his holy magnificence. Everyone on earth dance and writhe before him in expectation. Uh, so not only are we to confess who God is and in, in his power to create everything uh, and, and all of his saving works that he's already done, but God is, is, is saying it's not just Israel who should be the ones who engage in praise. It's not just Israel who, who should be giving themselves in worship. But one day, one day, uh, all of creation, all of creation, all people, all the whole world, heavens and the earth, will bow down and worship and praise the God who is the maker and creator of everything. All of you bring an offering into his courts. Uh, hey, all of you bow down and worship the Lord in his holy magnificence. Now, there's, there's uh, I always think, sometimes we get caught up on the, the commands for like sacrifice and things like that that God makes for us. Uh, and, and maybe we lose sight of our response to those or what those commands really do. This is part of what Israel does. They end up giving a whole bunch of uh, sacrifices, sacrificing animals, but then they don't ever live out the way that God has called them to live. So commands aren't always just commands for command's sakes, but they're to, to shape and form us to live in a certain way, uh, to, to love like Jesus has loved, <clears throat> at least for us. But I want to I focus, actually, on this last part of verse 9. Um, Everyone on earth dance and writhe before, before him in expectation. Now, I think this line right here kind of encapsulates everything we've been, been hoping to communicate this, uh, this Advent. Um, as David is setting this example, he's coming in, <clears throat> into Jerusalem with joy. Just keep this handy. Becky brings me coffee every Sunday. You wish you had friends like that, don't you? Yeah. Um, dance and ride in, in before him in expectation. Uh, this is a command not just to do sacrifice, uh, but, but to let ourselves be moved by the presence of God among us, now we're we're a pretty chill church, right? And we don't do a whole lot of dancing. I don't know. Sam and I are old school Nazarene, and so if we danced, our feet couldn't move. Uh, um, anyway, that's neither here nor there. Uh, but I think it's it's part of to allow ourselves to be open to the to the presence of God here in us, to, to be moved. Not just in our mind but but in our heart and in our spirit too to, to to name and understand the goodness and the grace that God has given to us now the the word that gets translated in my little translation as writhe really really has to do with kind of the the feeling of expectancy that a pregnant mother has like right before birth uh, and obviously i'm not I'm not a woman so I've never given birth but I've I've seen three of them get born, and I, I kind of know something of the anticipation that happens uh, before that happens. Right? Uh, sure, there's maybe a, a little bit of pain, but there's this there's a sense of angst. Uh, will it go okay? Is is everything all right? Is it? I don't. We don't know what's going to do this, and when this thing comes out, we've got to take care of it, and we've never done that before. And I just want to put it back. And uh, but, but it's that sense of kind of. This tension, this tension, this anticipation. That they, we know something good is on the horizon, and it's good, but, but, but it's just, it's there, but it's not quite there yet. And I, I imagine, I imagine my, in my mind, leading up to David bringing the ark into Jerusalem, I imagine that David had a couple of sleepless nights, right, in, in anticipation, intense giddiness. Maybe, Annie, it was the way you all felt last night, before going to bed, that tight anticipation that we are so excited that tomorrow is Christmas. Uh, Maybe it's like that, I don't know. But I think this is, is, uh, for me, I think, the essence of what we are hoping for, uh, for what Advent means. Uh, We've spent the last four weeks preparing ourselves to welcome Christ not into Jerusalem, Uh, God not as king of Jerusalem, but Christ as God and King of not just Jerusalem, but of the heavens and the earth. And, and while we, we've named along the way kind of the brokenness that we might experience, uh, there's this sense of tension between what God is already doing through the birth of Jesus and what has yet to be accomplished. Because we confess that, that Christ has come, but Christ is again going to come one day where all of creation is going to be made right and whole. Where joy will, will truly be what everyone experiences. When, when peace will reign in all, of its, in all of its fullness, wholeness, completeness. Not just a lack of, uh, of, uh, of conflict, but being whole at rest. Being everything that God had intended us to be in the first place. We are, I think, to continue to dance and writhe in in expectation and anticipation of what God is doing. As much as we celebrate this morning the birth of Christ, the beginning of our salvation, we leave knowing that God's greatest work of salvation, the restoration of all things, has yet to be accomplished. But we leave with that dance and that expectation, knowing that we always have a part to play in what God is doing already in our world. The psalm goes on, you are there, declare to the peoples of the world, the Lord is king. The world has been firmly set in place, it it will never be moved. He will rule all people in in a level and fair way. Let the heavens be glad and merry, and let the earth shout for joy. Let the seas and all that is in them roar with praise. Let the fields and everything in them exalt in triumph. Then all the trees of the forest will give a ringing song of joy before the Lord, for he is coming to govern the earth. He will rule the world with righteousness and justice, and all people with steadfast love and honesty. I think, I think sometimes we forget well, I, I think it's been the, uh, the evangelical American church's way to, to talk about salvation is only for you and I, like personal, individual kinds of ways. And, and I don't want to discount that, right? Like Christ has come to bring about salvation for you, for relief from your brokenness, for restoration to, to wholeness. But I think we forget, and I think the psalm reminds us, that Christ coming as king of the world is for the world as well. That there's something special and and unique about what God has created, that is going to rise up and and bring about well that they're gonna worship, worship God. I think actually. Uh, I think we'll go back for a second. I think when the seas roar, uh, when the water crashes and the waves crash, uh, I think I think their worship is part of being what God created them to be. Right. So the, the sea is supposed to be the sea. The waves are supposed to crash upon the shore. Like, we kind of know that things are in balance when, you know, the tide goes in and the tide comes out every day. I think we have to remember that part of what we celebrate is not just your salvation and my salvation, but that the salvation of creation is going to happen too. And, and that the entire created order will do what it was created to do, uh, praise and worship the one who has created it. Um, He will rule the world with righteousness and with justice and all people uh, with steadfast honesty and love. I think um, this is the full circle, right? Uh, We anticipate salvation. We anticipate Jesus bringing it. We realize that it's for us as much as it was for Israel. We realize that it's for the entire world. We celebrate Christ becoming king of all that is is. And when Christ comes and sits, not just restoration, uh, but justice as well. I have lots of thoughts about this, but it's Christmas morning and I'll stop soon. Um, anyway, today we're gathered together not to celebrate the ark's arrival in the capital city of Jerusalem, but to celebrate the coming of God as king nonetheless. So we sing the song of celebration with the same enthusiasm that David sang it. We sing it proclaiming to all the nations the wonderful, majestic, powerful splendor of Christ the King born in a barn. We sing it with the same pregnant hope, with the same expectation we feel in our body before the birth of something wonderful. We sing it so that we can tell how Christ the King has come to rule over all the earth and everything in it with righteousness and justice and steadfast love and honesty. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for all of your goodness to us. Uh, we thank you that you have um, well, that you have come as King of the world. We thank you that you have invited us into the celebration uh, that is the celebration of your coming. Uh, We thank you that that we know that what you have begun um, as you're born as a little baby is just the beginning of your plans for the salvation of creation. As we live our lives, help us to feel that, that anticipation, that hope, that joy, Help it to move us to become all that you would have us be. Help it to move us to, to look more and more like you. Help it to move us to love our neighbor in the same way that you have loved us. At the same time, help us to always remember that the salvation you're bringing for this world is not yet complete. But to help us to remember that you have invited us in to what you're doing uh, to bring about righteousness and justice and hope and joy and peace Lord as we receive your meal the Lord's Supper uh, we ask that it would well that it would strengthen us and nourish us as we go from this place that it might grant us the, the strength to dance in praise and worship of you in the best kinds of ways may it also remember remind us uh that what, it, that what salvation requires is selfless giving and love. Help us to be a people who, in response to your coming as king, give ourselves completely to the community and our friends and family around us so that they might, too, dance with anticipation and expectancy of your coming to make all things new. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit heartlandnaz.org.